The self-proclaimed Zodiac Killer was directly linked to at least five murders in Northern California in 1968 and 1969 and may have been responsible for even more. He taunted police and made threats through letters sent to area newspapers from 1969 to 1974 before abruptly ceasing communications. Despite intensive investigations, no one was ever arrested for the crimes and the case remains open. The mysteries surrounding the murders have been subject of numerous books and movies, including David Fleischer's claimed 2000 feature Zodiac. Stay tuned as we deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Zodiac. Zodiac Killer Theories and Suspects The mysteries surrounding the Zodiac case also continue to fascinate the public and has inspired more than its fair share of theories regarding the killer's identity. Ranging from plausible to crackpot, these include the claims that he was the Unabomber or convicted murderer Charles Manson, or even that he eventually moved to Scotland and committed more murders there before finding happiness and giving up his wicked ways. The only suspects the authority have ever publicly named was Arthur Lee Allen, a former elementary school teacher and sex offender. Police officer Dave Toshi believed they had a good start with Arthur Lee Allen. Toshi began to suspect Allen for a number of circumstantial reasons. He wore a Zodiac watch, which bore the same symbol inscribed on all the Zodiac Killer's anonymous letters. Allen's personality also fit that of a serial killer. But in the end, it was all circumstantial evidence. Allen later died in 1992, adamant he was not the Zodiac Killer. In 2014, HarperCollins published The Most Dangerous Animal of All by Gary Stewart, in which he claims that his father, Earl Van Best Jr., who bears a strong resemblance to the man in the police sketch, was the Zodiac Killer. Another man came forward in 2014 to reveal that a friend named Louis Myers had confessed to being the killer before his death in 2002. Certain events in Myers' history matched up with those connected to the Zodiac, but as with Allen and Van Best, there was no conclusive proof. Victims and Attacks The first murders widely attributed to the Zodiac Killer were the shootings of high school students Betty Lou Jensen and David Arthur Faraday on December 20th, 1968 on Lake Herman Road, just inside Benicia city limits. The couple were on their first date and planned to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School about three blocks from Jensen's home. They instead visited a friend before stopping at a local restaurant and then driving out on Lake Herman Road. At about 10.15, Faraday parked his mother's rambler in a gravel turnout, which was a well-known lover's lane. Shortly after 11 p.m., their bodies were found by Stella Borges, who lived nearby. The Salano County Police Department investigated the crime, but no leads developed. Utilizing forensics data, Robert Graysmith postulated that another car pulled into the turnout just prior to 11 p.m., parked beside the couple. The killer may have then exited the second car, walked towards the Rambler, possibly ordering the couple out of it. It appeared that Jensen had exited the car first, but when Faraday was halfway out, the killer shot him in the head. The killer then shot Jensen five times in the back as she fled. Her body was found about 28 feet from the car. The killer then drove off. Just before midnight on July 4, 1969, Darlene Farron and Mark Michael Macho drove into the Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site, and parked. While the couple sat in Farron's car, a second car drove into the lot, parked alongside them, 
and almost immediately drove away. Returning 10 minutes later, the second car parked behind them. The driver of the car then exited the vehicle, approaching the passenger side door of Farron's car, carrying a flashlight and a 9mm. The killer directed the flashlight into Maggio and Farron's eyes before shooting at them, firing five times. Both victims were hit, and several bullets had passed through Majot and Farron. The killer walked away from the car, but upon hearing Majot's moaning, returned and shot each victim twice more before driving off. On July 5th, 1969, at 12.40 a.m., a man phoned Vallejo Police Department to report and claim responsibility for the attack. The caller also took credit for the murders of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months earlier. Police traced the call to a phone booth at a gas station at a Springs Road in Termaline, located about three-tenths of a mile from Farron's home and only a few blocks away from Vallejo Police Department. Farron was pronounced dead at the hospital. However, Michaud survived the attack to speak despite being shot in the face and neck and chest. Michaud described his attacker as a 26 to 30-year-old, 195 to 200 pound, or possibly even more, 5 foot, 8 inch, white male, with short, light brown curly hair. On September 27, 1969, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Celia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Baronessa on a small island connected by a split to Twin Oak Ridge. A white man, about 5 feet 11 inches, weighing more than 170 pounds, approached them wearing a black executioner's type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest that had a white 3 by 3 inch cross-like circle symbol on it. He approached them with a gun, which Hartnell believed to be a 45. The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from jail with a two-word name in either Colorado or Montana. A police officer later inferred that the man had been referring to a jail in Deer Lodge, Montana, where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car, explaining that now he needed a new car and money to travel to Mexico because the vehicle he'd been driving was too hot. The killer had bought pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell before he tied her up. The killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after discovering that Shepard had bound Hartnell's hands too loosely. Hartnell initially believed this to be a bizarre robbery but then the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Hartnell, suffering six, and Shepard, ten wounds in the process. The killer then hiked 500 yards back up to the Knoxville Road, drew the cross-circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt-tip pen and wrote beneath it, Vallejo, 12, 20, 68, September 27, 69, 6.30. At 7.40 p.m., the caller called the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a pay telephone to report the latest crime. The caller stated that the operator, that he wished to report a murder. No, a double murder. Before stating that he'd been the perpetrator of the crime, the phone was found still off the hook moments later at the Napa car wash on Main Street. Detectives were able to lift a still wet print from the telephone, but were never able to match it to any suspects. After hearing the victim's screams for help, a man and his son who were fishing in a nearby cove discovered the victims and summoned help by contacting park rangers. Napa County Sheriff's Deputy Collins and Land were the first law enforcement officers to arrive at the crime scene. Shepard was conscious, 
when Collins arrived, providing him with a detailed description of the attacker. Hartnell and Shepard were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa by ambulance. Shepard lapsed into a coma during transport and never regained consciousness. She died two days later. Hartnell survived to recount his tale to the press. Napa County Detective Ken Narlow, who was assigned to the case from the onset, worked on solving the crime until his retirement in the department in 1987. Two weeks later, on October 11, 1969, a white male passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Geary Streets in San Francisco. Requesting to be driven to Washington and Maple Streets in Pasito Heights for unknown reasons, Stein drove a block past Maple to Cherry. The passenger then shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm, took Stein's wallet, car keys, and tore away a section of Stein's blood-stained shirt tail. The perpetrator was observed by three teenagers across the street at 9.55pm, and they phoned the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping down the cab before walking away towards Pasito, one block north, two blocks from the crime scene. Officers Don Fork and Eric Zelms, responding to the car, observed a white man walking along the sidewalk east on Jackson Street and stepping onto a stairway leading up to the yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. This encounter lasted only five to ten seconds. Fork estimated the white male pedestrian to be 35 to 45 years old, 5'10", with a crew cut, similar slightly build, older than the description provided by the teenagers. The teenagers described the suspect to be 25 to 30 years old with a crew cut, standing approximately 5 feet 8 inches to 5 feet 9 inches. However, police radio dispatch had alerted the officers to look out for a black suspect, so Fork and Zelms drove past the perpetrator without stopping. The mix-up in the descriptions remains unexplained to today. A search ensued, but no suspects were found. As the murder did not seem to fit the Zodiac's pattern, it was initially deemed a robbery until the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter claiming the crime and providing a torn section of Stein's bloody shirt. At least five other murders have been tentatively linked to the Zodiac Killer, including the 1963 shooting of Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards near Santa Barbara, California, and the 1966 stabbing, student, stabbing death of college student Sherry Jo Bates in Riverside, California. Letter, Symbol, and Cipher On August 1st, 1969, the San Francisco Examiner, San Francisco Chronicle, and Vallejo Times Herald each received identical handwritten letter in an envelope without a return address stating, Dear Editor, I am the killer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman. The letters contained details from the Zodiac Killer's murders that only the killer could have known. The killer went on to threaten further attacks if the letters weren't printed on the front page of the newspapers. Each letter was closed with a symbol consisting of a circle with a cross through it, in which would come to be known as the Zodiac Killer symbol. The letters were also each accompanied by one part of a three-part cipher that he claimed contained his identity. While Barrett Area Police Departments, with the support of the FBI, worked feverishly to track down the killer, another letter soon arrived at the San Francisco Examiner stating, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. It also described 
the murderers in detail and taunted police for not having been able to crack his code or catch him. Several days later, high school teacher Donald Harden and his wife, Betty, were able to solve the cipher. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. Three days after the fourth known Zodiac killing, the 1969 murder of taxi driver Paul Stein, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter claiming the crime. Written in the same erratic print as the Zodiac's previous letters, it gave details of Stein's murders and was accompanied by a bloody scrap of Stein's shirt. At the end of the letter, the killer mused that he would next shoot at the tire of a school bus and pick the kiddies off as they came bouncing out. The Zodiac Killer continued taunting correspondence with Bay Area papers, in which he included more ciphers, claimed to have committed several more murders, and mocked the police for their inability to catch him. In 1974, the letter stopped, although the investigation has not. Zodiac Killer and Pop Culture The Zodiac Killer was the inspiration for the psychopath in 1971 Clint Eastwood classic Dirty Harry which includes a scene involving a school bus full of children being hijacked. Years later, Robert Graysmith's writing fueled the creation of David Fleischer's critically acclaimed Zodiac, which hit big screens in 2007 with Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. in starring roles. Subsequent dramatized takes on the subjects include the 2017 feature Awakening the Zodiac, about a couple that investigates the murder before falling into his crosshairs. The History Channel also featured a 2017 non-fiction TV series, The Hunt for the Zodiac Killer, about investigators' hunt to decipher the Zodiac Killer's code. Case updates. In 2020, after more than 50 years, amateur codebreakers solved the Zodiac Killer's cipher. The decoded message read, I hope you were having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber, because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me, where everyone else has nothing. When they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid, because I know that in my new life, it will be an easier one. Paradise in death. In October 2021, a team of 40 former law enforcement investigators called the Codebreakers claimed to identify the Zodiac Killer. However, to this day, the FBI has stated the case was still open. Thank you for joining me on this deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Zodiac.